Off the Record is a show from 88.1 WKNC in which DJs talk with artists about everything from their music to upcoming tours to former bandmates' birthdays. Make sure to follow WKNC on SoundCloud and Tumblr so you never miss a beat. Enjoy. Hi. Thank Hi. you. You are Adam Ostrow from Austin, Texas. Y- United States. United States. I yes. forgot to include yeah. that. Thank you for Include being that. here with us today. Um, stopping right in on the very first day of your short tour, where you're going to be playing in Raleigh this evening. So I, as we mentioned, you're from Austin, Texas. Yes. You just came in. How was your traveling? Uh, it was it was a direct flight. Um, it, it was not very turbulent. Um, I managed to get both my guitar and the amplifier that I brought nice. in the overhead compartment. Nice. I was actually going to ask, like, are you playing alone or how'd the rest of the band get their stuff? Oh, no, I'm alone. Ooh. Yeah. I, I normally tour uh, alone. Okay. Yeah. And when I, if I'm, if I'm close enough to Texas then I'll drive myself. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if I'm on the East Coast or West Coast, I usually will sort of fly in and then rent a car um and drive and then go back to the airport and then fly home and you have a uh about a line of like 10 dates on this round right i don't get seven on this okay yeah so that's like yeah. a full week is it gonna it is. get lonely just being yourself out here well i um i'm paying lots of money to bring carl on the first three dates with me old friend from uh charlottesville virginia he's expensive but you know Mental health is very important. Absolutely. I mean, four days of loneliness <laughs> is fine, but seven too much. Yeah, um, um, it does get it does get lonely sometimes. I I do have uh, I do tour by myself uh, frequently, and these drives are pretty short. Um, but you know, I just did a midwestern thing, and you know, so those drives are considerably longer. They feel longer because uh, they're a lot more boring. It's they're just very boring. It's not. Yeah, it's like uh, gray, flat uh, roads and, you know, Not dilap- nice. yeah. dilapidated gray farmhouses. wouldn't be what I would have pictured, though. I was thinking more like orange, Dep- the desert. Oh, I'm talking about the Midwest, yeah. Oh. But te- Texas is pretty, the, uh, it's more brown than, than orange in most parts, I'd have to say. North Carolina's pretty orange. We've got that, uh, that clay. Yeah, the soil. Yeah, red clay. Yeah, what's that about? I don't really know. It's kind of like a thing, though. Wherever you go, there's always going to be red clay, whether it's yeah. the mountains or like sea level. It's. Is it extra? Do you ever try eating it? Is there some, some <laughs> extra nutrients? I've never tried eating it, but I swear in Asheville, there's like a dime a dozen clay potters because oh, of yeah. that. Of course. In um, obviously, since you have Carl, who lives in North Carolina, do you tour here frequently? Um, last time I played here was. Oh, boy. Do you remember that? It was not. Was it? Maybe it's been within the last year. Yeah, Chaz, we played uh, with my friend uh, Jerry David DeSica, who is another uh, singer-songwriter from Texas. We did a little East Coast tour, and we ended up playing at Jazz's Bull City Records. Nice. Saying that correctly. Do you have any uh, North Carolina musicians that you've played with in the past that you just really enjoyed? Mm, um, boy, I'd have to think pretty far back to when I lived in Charlottesville, which would have been in the mid to late 90s. I mean, we had a, like a lot of a lot of bands uh, come up from from this area, you know. I mean, uh, namely, right around the corner in uh, Durham is Merge Records, and they yeah. were founded by the Super Chunk. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, I've definitely seen a bunch of their bands. I can't remember. I think I've shared bills with everyone at that time. Um. <laughs> I mean, when you're growing up together, you're small together. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming back. We're excited to talk about the show uh, in School Kids in Raleigh. I don't know why I'm talking uh, plurally, <laughs> but it is like we. I am so excited that you're here to talk about uh, yourself with the more us. more people who are excited about talking. Who are you about playing this with stuff. tonight? Uh, his name's Jordan Moser. He's also from Austin. Very cool. Yeah. It, just sheer coincidence. It's not a coincidence, actually. Um, the, all this happened very last minute. I had a show. Um, my first show was of this tour was supposed to be in Baltimore. Okay. And then I found out about a week and a half ago that that show uh, fell through. And um, so since I've, uh, I'm going to give a big shout out to Southwest Airlines here because they let you change your ticket for a uh, small penalty or no penalty at all, actually. I was just huh. able to to, to um, reroute uh, since I was going to be in Charlotte tomorrow. I would come here and visit Carl, uh, who lives here, and... Carl was uh, very proactive and tried to get me a show here yeah. at the last minute. So that's how I ended up being at School Kids. And then... Um, school Kids is a good place. They, this uh, is good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, Looks uh, cool. They're, they're a great line of record stores. There's one here, one in Durham. Um, I believe there might be a third also in Chapel Hill, you know, the Triangle. Uh-huh. Um, but they frequently do both local and touring shows. It's oh, a bit nice. of a small stage because it's in the record store, but really respectful really responsible people it, it'll be cool great I'm, yeah I'm, I'm very gracious that they they uh agreed to do this at the last minute of course yeah, yeah. and then and then uh, this other uh songwriter who's who's playing tonight jordan is uh he's doing a tour i think he's driving actually um across the south and was in uh, uh durham tonight without a gig uh and one of uh, our mutual friends uh saw i was playing and thought Cool. Wouldn't hurt to ask to get yeah, might as well. Jordan on the bill, and so that happened. And that, that so. worked out really, really well. Yeah. Friends in high and low places all across the triangle. <laughs> um, so because you're both from Austin, would you say that the two of you have a similar music style, or would this be a bit of a varied bill? It'll be, it'll be varied. Okay. What yeah. do you consider yourself to be? <laughs> I know I asked that question a few minutes ago, <laughs> and you were like, oh, I don't know. Um, no, I, I'm... Uh, I, I'm uh, pretty into various styles of music, but I, I try and um, work mostly with with songwriting formats, you know. Um, so uh, I would have to say I'm a singer songwriter, but you know I really I really like sort of experimental singer songwriters that still manage to kind of keep the boundaries on the songs, you know, like Robert Wyatt and Kevin uh, Ayers, John Cale, you know, uh, a lot of stuff from the um uh 60s and 70s that were sort of a little bit left field you know but whose yeah. records are are you know sort of sonically uh interesting and you know so that's my that's my thing which i guess leads me perfectly into my next question um in 2019 as i'm sure you're aware in uh pop music culture there's a heavy emphasis on like post production and like hyping up a song and things i would argue that the age of singer songwriters is coming to a bit of an end, especially with mm. like corporate like ghost writers and things like that. Mm. Um, as a singer songwriter in the year 2019, how do you make yourself either relevant or interesting to a developing audience? You know, I guess I'm so far off the radar, <laughs> you know, in the circles that I operate in that, that, you know, I, I, I don't even, uh, all that stuff is is sort of um, operates in a, in a different world than we're. It at. really is yeah. having corporate money is 
yeah. a whole other league. Right. It's gotten, it, you know, I, I, I've had to get used to, you know, um, streaming, the adjustment to streaming music and um, uh, how distributing your music through streaming services can be a big um, it can help and hurt. There's it, a definitely a dual-edged sword to that. Yeah, it's like a currency, though. I feel like you know when you when you're trying to book shows. And How stuff many streams like, do you have? Right, exactly. everything is extremely transparent. Extremely, haha. To to, <laughs> to to venues and and people in the business that you're you know that you might be asking favors from, such as you know, can I have a show here on such and such, and exactly. they're just at the you know at their fingertips is like numeric oh, street cred yeah, yeah yeah and and having toured a lot you know previous to that to this current era you know it could be a thing where you reach out to a venue and the person who's in charge of uh booking it you know just happens to like listens to your music and likes it and goes well i think they would fit well on this bill and boom there you go you know and would you say that you still have like um I guess I would say like lingering effects from touring prior to the streaming age. Yeah, I mean, it takes me. It's taken me a while to sort of readjust. Of course, uh, yeah. Things things are 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 different, and I and I stopped touring for a a, a chunk of time. You know, um, I had a kid, and uh, just that'll do it. Wasn't yeah, I just wasn't able to do it. So it's so you know, um, so getting back into it, I've been doing it for the last two or three years, and. Uh, Sort of, you know, there's still a network of 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 venues and good people who are not operating in that in right, that headset right. or that mindset where or don't take that into account exclusively. Exactly, like they're you know they're curating their venue. They want they're concerned about good music. You yeah, know? I do um, think you'll find um, at least a similar attitude at school kids. Great. I mean, record stores, as you know, are dying out mm-hmm. for similar reasons. So yeah, exactly. The lingering ones have to be good at what they do, or right. they're not. Right. Yeah, you want to go somewhere you can trust that there's gonna if there's music or if they're selling music, that it's curated, and it's gonna be something that you might be interested in take a chance on. Right. Um. And the next date that you're playing is in Charlotte at the Milestone. That's kind mm-hmm. of another place that I would compare to School Kids. Obviously, incredibly different venues because School Kids is a store, a mm-hmm. record store, like just in that like business environment. Whereas the Milestone is, as I described, behind the scenes. Um, a basement it's a hole in the wall it is i started at a basement yes it's um you'll definitely get some 90s vibes from this place all right and that's going to sound really corny coming from a millennial but you're going to walk in the place is plastered with stickers and memorabilia going back for decades it there is no ac it is gross (laughs) and old oh good this bar is like shoved in the corner and you're like am i going to survive this show you will. The milestone has been around forever. Okay. It's a. It's one of the long-standing. I I, I I brought a onesie. Uh, <laughs> is that appropriate to wear in a place without a basement without air conditioning? It'll be fine. It's okay. like they prop the door open or they have like that's, an electric fan. Okay, that's very nineties. Yeah. Nineties to wear it's, to want to wear onesies. They called them nineties back nineties. then. Nineties. Yeah. Um, there, it's not a basement in the sense that it's underground, okay. but you're going to walk in and be like, this is a basement. Right. <laughs> like that's you. just the feel that you're going to get. Okay. Um, where else are you going on this tour? Um, I'm going to Charlottesville. Uh, completely different from Charlotte. Different. Um, and that's, uh, where I used to live there in the nineties. Um, so I've got a bunch of friends there, uh, that I've kept in touch with over the years, uh, and playing at a uh, place called Low Vintage. Um, 
and uh and then i'm off to dc riazome um then uh somerville uh, massachusetts at uh, union tavern kingston new york at the beverly lounge and then i'm playing a really cool show um in queens uh at the gas footlight bar god i'm gaslighting on the mind um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, your gas we're all right we're all gaslighting each other these days but uh no for real uh the footlight bar and, and um i'm playing with some some i'm playing with uh hamish kilgore uh from the clean and his cool. his band i'm playing with uh kid millions jim saunter um kid used to play in a band called Nida, still does uh and um anyway good show good show to go out definitely on. sounds like a good one sadly it's all the way up in new york yeah but, um, you guys can, can't drive. I'll just there. astral project over right. there. <laughs> I would be there if I could. Now, I, like I believe you're on the tour cycle for your album, The Worried Coat. Yep. When did this come out? It came out in April. This April. Year. So it's pretty fresh. It is. Um, talk to me about the album iconography. Uh, is it your dog on the front? No. Um, we recorded uh, part of the record in Mexico City. Um, and then the second half of the record we recorded in a studio that's out in the desert, uh, sort of outside of Tucson by about 45 miles. So talk to me about your recording style. Why those two locations? Uh, Mexico City was... Um, and you have a song called Kansas City. Yeah. Un- unrelated to... Okay. To, yeah, sometimes it, 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 there's crossover between okay. reality and, and fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but but Mexico City. Uh yeah, there's a, a studio there that um the label wanted to send us to, which uh they had a they had a connection with and um it was the first time I ever recorded yeah, in a different country and um it was great. I mean it's a really cool part yeah. of Mexico City and the great engineers, great studios. The studios are relatively cheaper. Um then that wow, studio really here would have been super you. expensive. What's they, they, they outsource yeah, me. They, yeah, they outsource me. Oh man, I never thought about it that way. Bring but our singer songwriters exactly, back to America. That's right, right. What's going on? I didn't even think about that. That's really something. <laughs> All right, I got material for the next record. There you go. Yeah. you're a corporate shill now. I know. Jeez. So who are you signed to? Corporate shill. Uh, the record came out on Super Secret Records, which is an Austin label. Very, very cool. So are you very involved in the Austin local music scene? Um, Somewhat. Uh, I've only been there for five years. I was in um, Chicago uh, for 15 years before that. Um, so I'm still, I still feel kind of new to Austin, although I definitely know, know quite a few folks in the, in the music scene there and um, have good feelings about living there. I am in contact with a college radio station just outside of Austin. Mm. They're called KTSW. I believe they're 89.9, but don't quote me on that. Okay. They're uh, in San Marcos University. Oh, in San Marcos. Yeah, sure. Yes. So highly recommend. Apparently, they have a very strong local music rotation, according to my friends who work there. Um, So if you're interested in, like, finding out new stuff, they may be the place to go. I'm a little biased. College radio is my thing yeah yeah but i highly recommend okay um so in terms of making this record it Mm. came out on in april Mm -hmm. how long did it take to make um the the we were in mexico city for about five days and then a couple months went by and then we were at the studio for about another five days and then so it's done in two chunks and then uh came together pretty quickly i mean it was mixed and mastered with within a pretty reasonable amount of time so i think 
the whole thing probably took like three or four months from beginning to end. That's not bad. Not bad. We worked really quickly. Yeah, I can tell. Um, and it's, yeah, it goes really quickly. It's just a 12-song album. I haven't seen in a long time someone uh, do side A and side B on the CD description. Right, yeah. And then yeah. it's also songs one through six and yeah. one through six again. Yeah, you have to flip the CD over. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You're an innovator. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of this um, Jack White interview that he did with, I believe, Stephen Colbert. I might uh -huh. be wrong when he okay. released that record, Lazaretto. Uh -huh. um, and he called himself such an innovator because when you flip the record, it plays from the inside out. <laughs> I like that. That is creative, I guess. That is true. <laughs> oh, Jack White. Yeah. yeah. He does because, press his own records yeah. through uh, Third Man. Yeah. And the Raconteurs just dropped an album. I'm insanely excited for that. I have a huge crush on Jack White, even though he's old and disgusting now. Hey, watch it. It's one of the ages thing, you know. The ages thing. You, yeah. You're right. I'm probably you know older what? than Jack White. I'm not so sure about that. He's probably aged quicker just because of how big no, we'll he say is. He's not. I like to just think that everyone's 50 so that I feel younger. There you know you how you can project just to project my own, like as I get older and older, I'm just like, well, that guy's probably 50 or so. What do you think? My mom stopped counting her age at this point. Okay. Really and truly. So you're not alone. It is A-OK. Comparing to your, mo your mom's age. Shut that's up right, that's my right. mom. <laughs> Actually, she's probably older than you. I, I Okay. Well, let's, can we change this? What's next on your question? There we go. Don't worry. I got it. We're not going to talk about my mom. <laughs> no. Um, I actually asked you earlier whose dog this was, and we got sidetracked. Oh, right. So, uh, so the studio is uh, out on this um, like artist community ranch uh, that started in like the seventies or eighties, and so there's all these little houses around, and then there's like this main hacienda that was built probably in like the nineteen twenties or so. And um, that's where the studio is. And uh, so a bunch of people live on the property um, and have dogs. And that dog just kept, like, wandering in throughout the session and just sort of became part of the, the scenery. And, you yeah. know, we would be tracking, and he would just lay down on the floor, you know, right, you know, in the middle of Get the Get any panting session. in the back tracks? There's probably a little panting in there. <laughs> I'm into it as yeah, long yeah. as it's you rhythmic. Get, you have to listen to it on the headphones, but you can hear it in there. Uh, but, but we all kind of, uh, crushed out on this dog. Um, he's just the, the, the coolest guy. And the front cover artwork almost looks like it's been made into a painting. Well, I took it. That's actually just a picture that I took on my phone. Was it edited at all? Um, it's got some filters on it, but it definitely looks like an oil painting to it me. It does. Yeah, it came uh, out really, really sort of uh, as if like a still life, like oil painting type. The thing, dog's fur like blends into itself, mm -hmm. probably just because the the texture. Mm -hmm. Um, which at this point, I encourage the audience to go look up Adam Ostrar, uh, the worried coat, so that you can really follow along with what we're talking right. about. Right, right. Um, otherwise, you're just going to think of a dog in Mexico City, and I don't know if that's quite accurate. Um, what about the back photo? Was that taken? That's inside of the, that's inside the studio. Right, yeah, the Hacienda yeah. in Mexico City? Uh, actually, this is in, I'm talking about the place uh, that's in, uh, that, that's Austin? In, it's in Oracle. Uh, the, the second studio we recorded at was in Oracle, Arizona, which is like an hour outside of Tucson, maybe. It's out okay. in the Sonoran Desert. Um, yeah. The name of the studio is a Droom Studio with three O's, hmm. D-R-O-O-O-M, and it's run by a, a friend of mine um, named Wally. He's in a band, a great band called Slow Moses. So nice. check out Slow Moses. Um, and how much of the 
equipment did you use in this photo? There's like a huge Marshall stack. stacks. Yeah. The great thing is that. Um, and then there's like some bongos in the corner. Yeah. If you had the LP version, you could look at the insert and there's like, uh, I don't think it's in the, I think the insert in there is, is doesn't have all the photographs um, that are in the LP, but um, but there's all sorts of uh, uh, Marshall half stacks and and big old classic rock gear, but we actually brought like really tiny amplifiers. Nice, <laughs> nice. But it's there all are the but the the, the the weird little like percussion stuff we ended up on there. There's a lot of uh, um, uh, sort of esoteric um, little. Uh, shakers and rattlers and, yeah, and yeah. bells and stuff. And, and who are the other two gentlemen in these photos? Uh, uh, my two of my good friends um, that I play with are uh, Will Hendricks. He lives in Oakland, California, and he's been um, making. I've been making records with him for quite a while. Uh, he was in a band of mine called Manischewitz, um, and he's been on my previous two solo records also. Um, and then. Um, Steven Patterson is the guy. I think he's playing some bells in that picture. Uh, he's he's plays uh, percussion and drums with me. He's another guy from Austin. Yeah. And how did you get connected to these two? Um, Obviously, the other one lives in Austin, but the one who's from Oakland, California. Okay. So this takes us way back to when I lived in Chicago. Um, I uh, had just moved there from Charlottesville, and I put out a a Manischewitz record, um, which was uh, one of my early bands um, on Jag Jaguar Records, and uh, we, uh, when I moved to Chicago, I was had written a bunch of new songs and was looking for someone to record them with and kind of help me put a band together to make the record. And um, Chris Swanson from Jag Jaguar, he's one of the label owners, put me in touch with uh, this guy Michael Krasner, who owned the a recording studio called Truck Stop Records. And um, so he uh, organized the band that ended up being on that record. Will was part of the band. Will nice. actually still lived in California at the time, nice. but came in to work on that one. Very yeah. cool. And I should mention that Michael, I still work with Michael Krasner. He's, he re-engineered re and records all my stuff. He lives in Phoenix now, um, but he was with us in Mexico City and, and was with us in Oracle Arizona, and so he's still part of every record. Um, I think it's really cool that you're, uh, for lack of a better phrase, such a seasoned musician, being that you've toured in a bunch of different acts and have done several different recording cycles for various projects and with various people. Um, what's one thing about the music industry that you think has changed since you were in like some of your earlier projects? Hmm. Um, well, and what's a one lot... thing that you wish hadn't changed? <laughs> Let's do that. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't want to, it's hard because I don't want to sound like a, a bitter old musician. Yeah. You know? So I want, I want to try and embrace the, the things that are different um, and just learn how to, to, to uh, adapt. I mean, you them. seem to have rolled with it with our previous discussion uh, regarding streaming and things. So yeah. preferring the past doesn't mean that you hate the, uh, That's the true. current place. That's true. And who know? And, and who knows how long cur the, the current, Things exactly. going to be current for, you know. It's um, exciting and daunting at the same time. Things right. move so quickly. Yeah, it's weird to think that, you know, not too long ago people were downloading music from iTunes and that was the death of physical yep. records. And now you know, even iTunes 
sort of discourages you from you don't want to pay 129 anymore right right yeah. you just want need to you know they just want the stream off of you the, want it instantly right exactly yeah yeah so that time when you downloaded music already seems like part of history a uh, short period of history when it seemed like it was going to be the future exactly so i don't know um i guess uh what do i i miss uh um you know i guess i'd have to go back and just say that it's that's uh I feel like musicians used to have more direct relationship with venues. Um, and th there seems to be uh, more middlemen uh, involved these days, like promoters and stuff like that. You know, like, like if, if you contact uh, venues directly, you know, often they'll just say, well, this promoter is handling it handling the show right, so right. you know the we have to talk to the promoter or the promoter uh or you get get in touch with the promoter or something like that you know and, right. I, and I used to feel like when when I would tour and we would book it was just sort of one of these things where like the venues had much more of more control over the um curating the shows themselves now you see like pay-to-play shows like oh sure yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah like it's I don't know if that's been a thing for a while, but it's uh, the scourge of the local scene down here, I'd is say. Is it really? Yeah. It is. Yeah. I also personally have a small vendetta against a couple um, uh -huh. pay-to-play uh -huh. like promotional companies that I will not name at this time. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I just don't see that as inclusive and yeah. enjoyable for the entire time. Right, right, right. It's yeah. also kind of putting the musicians out on a whim of like having to like go door-to-door -door begging their friends and being like, hey... I don't get to play this show unless you buy tickets beforehand. Really? That happens. Okay. Yeah. That's oh. what like pay to play is like the promotional company will like put all of the money down to rent a larger venue. And they're like, we're going to promote it anywhere. Like people will be there. But then they're like, but because we're doing you so much of a favor putting this together, you need to secure $100 worth of tickets that we know like you have a fan base that you're bringing in. Wow. Wow. And so it's like, you have to pay first. Mm hmm. Or like you don't play or they don't book with you in the past. And it's like if you don't reach that max selling to other people, oftentimes the bands will have to cover it. And so it's like all right, yeah. if you make 50 bucks off this gig, but you put down 100 in the first place, like. Yeah. That's like L.A. in the in the in the 90s, like the metal, the hair yeah. metal scene, yeah. you know, they, they, there was a lot of that going on. It's um, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you. And uh, I. And my friend Carl, who's sitting in the room with, with us here, Hi, can Carl. attest <laughs> to is how many empty room shows you would see, you know, that were life changing, you know, um, or just that, you know, showing up at a, a place uh, and, and being and, and being and seeing somebody for, you know, in a room full of 10 people, you know, that would have like a very. Uh, influential effect right. on you and then you know maybe the next time they, they came through you know they're they had were playing in front of a bunch more people but you had that intimate experience with them or Absolutely. you saw that happen and you know so if if, if you know venues aren't going to take risks on on bands before they already have some sort of buzz about them then it I'm, seems that's, that's gone you know it seems counterintuitive though right like how are bands supposed to garner that buzz right if they, they can't, can't like shows. break in somewhere. I don't know. It, and it creates a lot of artificial. Absolutely. Sort of, uh, you know. It discourages growth and community. Right. Because bands can't grow if they're and not integrity. making money. Exactly. 
integrity too. Yeah. That's a whole thing to unpack in, yeah. its, in its own. Yeah, it really is. Um, well, what's one thing that you do like about these days? Um, geez. Uh, I'm not trying to like put you in a box <laughs> of curmudgeon-y. <laughs> right, but, um, I, th I, th I think it's, it's a, dem a, a democratic uh, time to valid. be music, yeah. you know, um, at least being able to uh, not, sp I, I think, you know, it used to be like um, more stressful to, to record, uh, the idea of coming up with money to go into a recording studio used to be what would be intimidating about making a record, right. you know, it used to seem like the, the, the big leap, you know, if you were a band and you, you wanted to make um an album was like okay how how are we going to you know get into a studio and and pay the pay for a studio and everything uh and and um you know and now it's 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 just so so cheap to record and, and you know i'm not saying that it sounds good but it takes like no money to put something up on bandcamp and then yeah and then yeah. and then you have and you can distribute it you know you don't uh, need to burn cds and pass them out don't. anymore yeah yeah so um I know so i like that i like that you know I think that's really that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, it um, to a degree makes up for the venues and promoters and things that don't want to take a chance on smaller acts. Right. Streams, as much as you mentioned earlier, are kind of like a, a digital currency. Yeah, they can also be inclusive in the sense where anyone can go out and put their stuff on social media right. and be like, check it out, and if it's good, it'll take off. Sure. And sure, that's how it's supposed to work. That's true. Yes, that's true. it doesn't always work like that. Um. But yeah, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, your show at School Kids. Obviously, this won't this interview won't go up until after the show's already happened. But just for um, interest's sake, what time is it? Where is it? Who's playing? One more time. Yeah, so uh, it's it starts at seven at School Kids Records uh, here in Raleigh, and um, my uh, uh, Austin uh, singer songwriter buddy Jordan Moser is also playing. I'm not sure we haven't this came together so quickly that we haven't figured out the order of who's playing first or who's playing last, but you'll... A two-band bill, is there really a headliner? It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, right. Who's headlining? Especially when they're both from out of town. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's always the chance that we'll both play simultaneously. There so, you go. You can just switch off one song after another. No, no, I mean simultaneously. Oh, yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. 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 So a little freestyle happens, collab. That's something that I'm trying out these days. I'm just... It's not easy. It's I mean, you really easy. have to tune the other person out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, thank you for talking to me today. I hope you have a great show tonight. All right. Thanks a lot. Absolutely.